0: God says when the troubles come, he said fight. You can't fight, he said withstand. You can't withstand, he said stand. What does it mean to stand? He said don't change. What, don't change what? Number one, don't change what you believe. Here we will reason concerning the scriptures about the doctrines we hold dear. We believe in souls being saved, lives being changed, and Bible doctrines being strengthened by the word of God. We believe in the local church, soul winning missions and everything taught in the king james bible
1: i thank god tonight for this wonderful bible you know i I thank god it's a perfect book and i i love the bible doesn't need any addition no correction nothing taken from it thank god tonight for the holy bible i like it
0: just like it is we are not ashamed of being fundamental Baptists, and we want to encourage others to remain true to the Bible, their Baptist heritage, and to not change what they have been given. You just stick with the book. You can't beat this book. <laughs> Why does every generation feel that we gotta change it just a little bit, cause our daddy did it fast this, and our granddaddy did it like that, and let's change it just a little bit. You change it, and things that are different
1: are not the same the same commit thou to faithful men. Thank you
0: for joining us in our discussion of what it means to be a fundamental Baptist.
2: Hello and welcome, David Baker here, one of the uh, co-hosts for the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. And uh, we're glad you're here. Uh, we have Dr. Jeff Smale here today, and we have a very important topic to talk about, the pastor. Okay, the pastor, uh, one of the most important uh, people to be able to uh, serve the Lord and lead a congregation, to be the shepherd, and also one of the most criticized um, in all of the Fundamental Baptist uh, movements. So we're glad to have Dr. Jeff Smale here to uh, discuss and talk about that. So, first, we want to find out just a little about you and your background. So, uh, tell us about your personal background, your family, work, education, um, and then the ministry background that God's
1: given you. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to be on this uh, podcast, and uh, been looking forward to a time we could do this. And so, I grew up in a Presbyterian church, but it was the uh, Baptist in the little town I lived in. Um, that I had a backyard Bible club, and that's where I heard the gospel when I was nine, 1968, and I trusted Christ as Savior. But it wasn't until I was 19 that I actually surrendered to live for the Lord. I had no teaching or anything to help me to make that decision until then, and I did that in an independent Baptist church, and that's where I met my wife, where I surrendered uh, to serve the Lord then to call to preach and was married there and then went off to Hiles Anderson College there. So my wife and I have been full-time in uh, Christian service since 1986 when I graduated, and uh, we have 12 children, uh, eight of which are adopted, and most of those have special needs, um, Down syndrome in particular. Our first child was born with Down syndrome, and we became advocates of that, and we started ministries and churches to help with special needs people uh, to teach and train and love them. Uh, in the local New Testament church. So um, that's kind of a quick background uh, of my uh, whirlwind life.
2: <laughs> By the way, um, Dr. Smell, I know each other well, and I enjoy teasing and picking on him, but uh, it is impressive and love his family and love what God's called him to do. And so um, so, um, so, your kids now, your older older son, uh, tell about that. And then uh, uh, your pastoral ministry, uh, what have you done in full-time Christian work? Uh, what has that led to?
1: Well, my, as far as my children, my oldest son is uh, one we adopted from the country of Honduras. He's 31, um, but I have uh, my oldest biological son is now pastoring the church that I pastored for 24 years in Elyria, Ohio, and uh, then his brother, the next uh, oldest uh, son, is the music director of the church, and then uh, my daughter, who's getting married in July, just graduated from Bible college with a music degree, and she's now a music Coordinator in another church, and uh, so um, we have several that are in full time Christian service. Um, so you, um, you mean wait, your kids
2: grew up as preachers' kids in an independent Fundamental Baptist home, and still want to serve God and still love God, and and are are still Independent Fundamental Baptists, really?
1: Yeah, amazing. And uh, and we forced it on them when they were young. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll do more podcasts and talk about that and children but it's amazing so many people think oh if we're too strict if we're too hard if we uh, teach them all these things they're going to rebel um, the rules don't make rebellion they just expose rebellion the rebellion is right. already there um, and so um, but so many parents you know, will drop off everything and let the kids run things and it, it doesn't work out it doesn't work out well teaching them truth loving them helping them to have their own personal walk with God where these convictions that we have and biblical principles we have become theirs is what we want but anyway that's another side i know but i love uh, your family and love to see what you guys have done love to hear your family sing together and knowing that they're serving the lord is just really a great testament to um to you them seeing in your home someone who's true and real and serves god and now they want to serve god and i don't think there's any better testimony that we can have of that and so so uh how many years did you pastor and where did you pastor
1: I pastored for 30 years total, 24 at uh, Victory Baptist Temple in Elyria, five at uh, Madera Baptist Church in Cincinnati, and then a little over one and a half years at uh, Richmond Baptist Church in Richmond, Indiana. Awesome.
2: So when we talk about pastoring, you've got some 30 years experience. And uh, so what do you do now? Uh, What keeps you busy and keeps you out of trouble?
1: (laughs) Well, it doesn't keep me out of trouble, but it does keep me busy. Uh, I'm the president of Independent Baptist Online College and um, I'm very excited about it and the the college is just growing and and the foundation is so strong now, but we're excited about the future because it's just taken off and uh, so it's more than I can handle just doing that. Absolutely.
2: Just real quick, how many students, how many uh, professors,
1: how many courses uh, on the top of your head or guess pretty close? We have 1,471 students as of this morning, and uh, I check it every day because we can gain students overnight, and then I have to approve or disapprove of them as they apply. Um, But uh, we have uh, 79 courses that are available, nine different uh, academic degrees you can choose from and uh, 32 faculty members. And the interesting thing about the faculty members is they average about 30 years of of experience in the ministry, so they're not uh, novices. In fact, we we kid because we're the gray hairs, and virtually all of them are gray hairs at 30 years plus. Um, And then we have Dr. Tom Wallace, who's beaten all of us with 72 years of experience. Uh, But it's exciting because we've been able to get really the cream of the crop of uh, educators and preachers and, uh, and laymen that uh, have served the Lord for so many decades. And then through the internet, through the uh, uh, format of online courses, then they're available for students anytime, 724, and uh, they can take it and be taught by some of the finest young, or finest people in our generation.
2: And it's just amazing to be a part and to see what God's done, and just to get to help people uh with that is wonderful. I know we talked i mean fifteen plus years ago of your heart to train people for the ministry, to train preachers, and God had given you a heart and a passion for that, and then to to see how God did it and that we get to work together on that is beautiful and uh, it's been a blessing. So, all right, hey, let's get into our topic and uh, see what kind of trouble we can get into. Um, uh, This podcast is brand new and just a few episodes out, but um, uh, I know we're going to get to strengthen and help some people, and uh, I don't know, there may be some people out there, I couldn't imagine, but that may not uh, believe or like everything we're doing, but, but we're interested in his truth. So I want to talk about pastoring and uh, being a pastor. So um, not the qualifications, but what's the biblical definition of a pastor? What uh, is a pastor supposed to do and what are they supposed to be?
1: Well, a pastor is an overseer of the flock of God. Um, he shepherds them, leads them. Um, you know, it's hard to put one just simple definition down because The thing about being a pastor, there are so many branches off that one uh, title of pastor that you do. And uh, it's just an amazing position It's an extremely rewarding position But it's an extremely exhausting position And I don't know there's anything any harder in the world than, Other well, than other being than the being pastor's, pastor's wife, wife. That's probably, probably the hardest the job, job. Uh, The uh, pastor's, pastor's second, second in, in
2: Absolutely, especially married to us um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, My wife and I have, 30, uh, have 32 years this year And I know you guys have more than that And I'm just amazed that she has put up with uh, me And uh, the ministry and all of that How many years? Uh, mary do you guys have this october be 43 43 beautiful i love it um and you're right there's so many things a pastor is supposed to do and it's amazing the expectations and for one person to do that and it's amazing how many times people don't realize, you know what? Hey, they're human. <laughs> they, I uh, want to write a book sometime and called the titled Pastors Are People Too. <laughs> and so it's yeah, amazing yeah. how people don't think that, okay, hey, we have the same temptations, the same fears, the same hurts, the same burdens. Um, but yet when Paul was talking about all the things he went through, uh, shipwreck, beaten stone, whipped, all that, he said, and above all, the care of all the churches. And he's like, I can't even go into that. You're not going to understand it. But the care of all the churches, you know, the burden to be able to carry for the people. Uh, Dr. Mayo, one of my favorite passages, and God showed me this early on in pastoring, Ezekiel 34, and love this. And, And for pastors to understand this, I think one reason I think this topic could be so important to help people and lay people is to understand what their pastor's job is. If you understand what their job is, it'll be a lot easier for you. Here it says, Ezekiel 34, I will feed my flock. I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord. Okay, we got that. We feed the flock. All right. Then I will seek that which is lost. Good. We need to do that. And bring that which was driven away. Okay. There have been people that are driven away for whatever reason. We need to bring them back. And bind up that which was broken. Wow. How many broken people do we uh, work with? And we need to bind them up. And we'll strengthen that which was sick. Okay, people that are sick, we strengthen them. And so we. most people stop. Yep, that's it. That's the definition of what a pastor is supposed to do. But it goes on. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. (laughs) It's like, whoa, you know, we like the feeding part and comforting and healing and winning the gloss and bringing people back. But there's also the part of the preacher that says, thus saith the Lord. It's also the part of the prophet that says, thou art the man. It's also part of that that we're supposed to help people that are, quote, as the Bible said, fat and strong, proud, arrogant, to be able to help them and preach the word of God to them. And that was me. When I first got in an independent, fundamental Baptist church, I didn't want anything to do with it. I went for the wrong reason. I'm looking for a girl to date. But man, that preacher, quote, preached the devil out of me and ended up getting called to preach and. Surrender. So uh, how much have you seen of that, Dr. Smale? the people who just don't understand? You preach a hard sermon, and they're upset, and they don't realize you're doing that to help them.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, I heard when I was in Bible college, uh, one of the uh, teachers said that preaching is like, the topics of preaching is like mowing different yards. You know, you mow one yard, and that's on prayer, and the next yard's on marriage, and the next yard's on you know, holy living and the next yard's on service. And and then by the time you get through all the yards, well, the first yard needs to be mowed again and you come back through and you're, you know, you you have to rotate through there and balance. And that is what people sometimes don't understand. And particularly, I think younger Christians or even definitely lost people don't understand. And they sometimes get miffed because they think that you're riding a hobby horse. They only heard the, those messages, but they weren't there a month ago when you were preaching on the love of God or heaven or something like that. And so you, you do have to balance it. And I think that's honestly, I think that's the key word of the pastor is the word balance. You've got to be balanced in every area of your life.
2: Right. Yeah, there are so many things that are needed, and the Bible says we're to preach the the whole counsel of God. I mean, it's the whole Word of God, everything in there, the topic, uh, those are the things that they need. So, um, now we call ourselves pastor, what about bishop, elder, um, sometimes people have different definitions of that, uh, those are the same, same uh, titles, same person, or different?
1: Yeah, they're, they are, and, and you know, I mean, it's just the type of thing that I think pastoring encompasses all of it. Uh, where some of them don't and um, we kind of take those things from the scriptures um, but um, yeah you are an overseer as a bishop and you do uh, administrative leadership and but the, the pastoring seems to have because you, you think of the word pastoral uh, it seems to encompass all aspects of what um, the man of God does. Yeah. It is
2: amazing when I was just in Titus this morning and um And so it was, uh, Paul told Titus to ordain elders in every city. Um, So what does that mean? You know, you're supposed to, you don't even have a church yet. You don't have a pastor yet. And you go get an elder board together to be able to run. No, it's you ordain a pastor in that city. And then right after that, he started giving qualifications for a bishop. Which is the same thing he was just talking about. So when people want to divide these up and say they're all different, to look at the Bible and see in context, Paul told Tim, or Paul told Titus, Ordain elders in every city and here are the qualifications for them and he used the word pastor. So it definitely the same person, just different aspects of what we're supposed to do. And um yeah, yeah. I think if people could understand that that would be uh be helpful. So in your opinion, um has 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 being a pastor changed over the past few decades from when you were, you know, not a pastor yet to now and what they think about them. Has that changed?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I sometimes hate to say it that way because then people gives use that as a, a crutch. But, um, you know, there was a time in our generation, our life, uh, where people were far more respectful of the man of God. I remember as a young pastor, Uh, coming into homes of lost people knocking on doors and when they knew I was a pastor they dropped their cigarettes they hid their beer they turned off the rock music and and now you know I mean you go anywhere even in Christians homes and they don't bother changing one thing they're doing it's a respect level and uh, and I remember as a as a layman when my pastor would talk about the fact because you you mentioned this earlier about Pastors are human. When my pastor would talk about, you know, that he's a sinner too, I couldn't even fathom such such thing. He was so close to God, I felt like there's no way he is sinning, even though I didn't hold him equal with God. Um, but I just had such reverence for him. And uh, when he said that, I thought, oh, that can't be true. Well, you know, then you become a pastor one day and you find out, yeah, it is true. And this is the thing: I have never confused doctrine with the title or the position of the man and God uses men and this is who he he has planned to use and you can't get sidetracked by a man who fails who is a sinner and then throw the doctrine out too because that's not true and so um, but but the difference is there was a time we respected that and we held that in respect and now, you know, everybody wants to be on first name basis and, and um, you know, they don't, you know, you're just like everybody else and you ought to work a job like everybody else and you're lazy and you're, you know, and, and we've lost that respect. And when you lose respect, you don't have any influence over people.
2: It's amazing how Paul said, "I magnify my office." Personally, he, I am chief of sinners, but my office, I'm going to magnify that, right, and right. Uh, yeah, and I think that's said. a big deal. They have there have been presidents that, um, and there might be even present now that I really don't care for, um, but their office of presidency we should respect, right, and I right. think that's uh, a lot of the same with pastor. And so, um, so as we know, there's a lot of responsibilities that pastors have. We talked some about that already. Do you think that? We people expect too much from their pastors or that pastors try to do too much uh, do you think that is uh, is ever a problem or a thing that's created and and do we do some of that?
1: yeah, it is a problem um, and and it's a funny uh, because everybody's a little different. you can have one member who um, i mean they'll be in the hospital near death they won't call you and they won't have a problem that you didn't show up and then there'll be somebody because they didn't nobody told you you didn't know. And then there'll be somebody who, you know, they just had to get a, a, a hangnail removed and so it's an outpatient surgery and they couldn't figure out why you weren't there and they called and told you about it and you know and and so people are so different in what they expect. And this goes back to that balancing because if you don't watch it, you can bury your family while you're pastoring, just trying to keep up. And it doesn't have to be a large church either, just trying to keep up with the needs of the people. People are very needy today, and probably more so than any other generation. Um, And so you can, and and trying to take care of every need is really difficult. Um, But uh, it's that that balance act, you know, you got to work it.
2: One of the statements I say all the time is a pastor, hey, if I can help you, let me know. If you need something, let me know. And then God say, okay, yeah, I'm putting in my garden this week. Uh, when can you come over and help me?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um,
2: I, I sort of like that work, and I wouldn't mind doing it, but that's really not what I meant. Uh, like, what? You that's said right. if I needed help, you'd help me. And, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, you can't no, quite no. do that for everyone. So it is amazing what's expected uh, to be able to do that. So, um um, do have people minimized the role of pastor in their life, or in the, or or even in churches? Does it seem like um, people have minimized that?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. And that goes back to the respect level. But um, you know, it's it's often that they they're fine with everything until you do something that as far as preaching or leading that is against their grain or what they disagree with and we're a highly opinionated generation uh social medias encourage that and um and tv and radio you know having um you know all these different call-in radio talk shows you know i always say well what do you think about it and that's the way we take it in the church. Well, what do you think about what he's doing? And, and what do you think it should be this way or that way? And, and I, I'm always amazed at people that have never successfully run a hot dog stand, but they can tell you how to run a church. And uh, it's a difficult thing. It's, it's a whole different um, monster, so to speak, because there's so much involved in it and you're dealing with people and you've got to please God first. That's the key. You can't please the people, you have to please God. Sometimes in pleasing God, you don't please the people. And there's uh, a lot of honestly there's a lot of pastors they're afraid of that and they don't want to lose anybody and uh, so they, they tend to try and tiptoe through those tithers like that and that's a little difficult to do. You got to please God first and that doesn't mean you you run roughshod because I don't think the Lord ever leads us to run roughshod over the flock. But at the same time, it means you're going to do some things and, and lead and teach and preach and things that some people just don't want because you're getting, you know, I had I had in one of my own converts years ago say, you know, you stay, she said, stay out of my personal life. I said, I'm here for your personal life. That's what I'm here for, you know, but they don't understand sometimes and they mis- misunderstand your position.
2: So big topic, and you brought it up, and that was next on here. So what about the pastors that are, quote, dictators or dictatorial or controlling? Can uh, pastors be that way? Is there a line that um, they cross? And how do you help the pastor, and how do you help the people to understand uh, what we're trying to do if we're not dictators, but we are trying to lead and help them in their life? Um, Like we already talked about balance, but uh, how would you help someone with that?
1: Well, I, I do think there's some guys that have gone over the edge. Um, you know, they have their members don't hardly breathe without their permission. Um, it's a, it's a little overkill. Um, but at the same time, the, the pastor should be somebody that you can come to and and bounce off um, questions and and directions, things you're 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 wanting to uh, you're thinking about doing this, you're thinking about doing that. What do you think, preacher? Um, and I don't think that's dictatorial. Uh, anybody who is lost probably will consider a Bible preacher dictatorial just because he's 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 proclaiming the word as it is. And he's not saying it, you know, well, if you like this, if you don't like this, he's just declaring the whole counsel of God. So lost people are never going to understand that. They can't understand three services a week or tithing or soul winning or standards. They don't get, grasp that. So they will always consider that to be dictatorial. And so, so much in this generation where anything goes and everybody goes, and so if you preach, especially these hot button, you know, I remember when abortion was a big deal as far as a hot button. It's not anything now, but but you get into, you know, LGB, you know, the alphabet people, LGBTQRSTUV. Anyway, uh, you get into that and uh, man, you really see people change, even save people. They can't understand why. But then you have a, a Bible that tells you that God, in, all the way back in Genesis chapter um, uh, you know, 1, verse 26, 27, God made them male and female. And you, you can't change that just because society changes it. So when you preach that, it does come across dictatorial, but it's God's word, and you have to give the whole counsel of God's word. Absolutely. I know we say so many
2: times, look, I didn't write it. (laughs) I'm only to preach it. I'm to teach it. I'm to explain it. Uh, I'm to live it. Uh, But I didn't write it. God did. And so, how many times have people come to you, they've already done something, they made a mistake, and they say... Wow, I wish I would have talked to you about this. How many times has that happened, could
1: you imagine? Oh, yeah, many times. I've had pastors do that. Um, I've had, uh, over the years, somebody hire one of my staff And never, never even asked me what, you know, what about this guy, what's his work ethic, what's that? And then, you know, two years later, I'll hear from him and say, yeah, I wish I had called you. I wish I had told you, you know, or talked to you about it ahead of time. And there's not much you can do about it. Sometimes you can try and piece it together. But, you know, sometimes our our lives are like that, (laughs) that uh, egg, um, you know, it falls and it breaks. And you can't put those pieces back together that easily. And if you do, it still doesn't look the same. And so the better side of wisdom is get your counsel, and that's what Proverbs is all about, get your counsel up front and, uh, and make sure you're making a wise biblical choice and decision that God's going to use and bless and not just, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do and then get clearance from headquarters later. That usually doesn't work at all.
2: Absolutely, and if people can understand, and I say, I, I don't want to run your life, I'm busy. i got a wife, i got Tell 11 children, up. you have 12. Uh, I don't want to run anybody's life, but I would love to help you not mess up your life, because if you mess up your oh, life, guess who's one of the ones who has to help put it back together? And uh, people say all the time, well, I would have talked to you, but you were busy, and I didn't want to bother you. And, and I say, look, it's not about me, okay? So don't uh, bring it up, well, I don't want to bother you. It's not about me, it's about God and your life. But if you're going to make it about me, I don't want to bother you, then at least let me have a choice in it, okay? If you're going to make it about me, at least let me have a choice. Pastor, I got a question. I don't want to bother you. Would you have time? Yes, I got time. And, wow, to help them not make a mistake, how many times has somebody said, hey, preacher, let me run something by you? And... uh 90 plus percent of the time, that sounds great. Hey, thanks for sharing that with me. I will pray with you about it. And and uh, they're on the right track and you just check it. Uh, what's wrong with that? Um, but boy, how many times have they said, I'm so glad you did. Let me help you. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And it would have been a, a travesty in their life. And so as a pastor and a shepherd, you're helping to guide them um, uh, in that way. And so I, I don't think sometimes people see that and understand um you know it's like Paul said I love it Paul said am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth. The pastor who loves you, cares about you, and prays for you, who watches for your soul, who's gonna have to give an account one day for you, uh, is not trying to control you, he's trying to bless you, help you, protect you. I tell our people, the only thing I want is to see you happy, blessed, serving God, and rewards in heaven one day. I don't know if we're allowed to shout um, at that time, but when they call a church member of mine up and they get a reward and a crown, I'm gonna be shouting, I feel like, hey, that's my church member, praise God. And, And it's not anything I get out of it, but boy, the joy and blessing of seeing them being blessed is what you want—that happiness and joy. If people could see that, then it, it, it's not something that's horrible and bad. It, it is benevolence of love and care for them. Um, but whatever, I, well, it, it doesn't seem like it seemed like so many people push that away. They're afraid to get counsel because it may go against what they want to do. Instead right, of right. instead of truly caring to make sure they're doing the right things, and then and then to check that. You uh, yeah. Yeah, seen seen those but things, I,
1: I, yeah. And I and I agree with that. And I I have always told uh, the members of my churches, you know, I, I want you to hear that. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's that's my goal. Um, and you know, I, I want to do it for my own life. But man, I want it for your life. I, I don't know that you could hear anything any better out of the mouth of Jesus than you know you you've been faithful in a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou in the joy of thy Lord. I mean, that is the the pinnacle of everything. And, uh, and so it, it takes a, a disciplined life. If you're a disciple, you're going to have to have a disciplined life. It takes a lot of effort on your part, but you have to use the tools that God gives you. And the pastor is one of those tools to give you, to help you. And and according to Ephesians, you know, a pastor is a gift from, from God uh, just for that purpose, to help uh, mold you and mature you and help you to serve the Lord.
2: Amen. And we are angels too, Revelation 2 and 3, you know, we're the messenger, (laughs) the angel of the church. So uh, I got to remind my people of that. They don't. So um, Uh all right. So um, young men preparing to be pastor, what's the best way? What advice would you give them? Some young men on here and they want to um, be us, quote, old guys with 30, 40 years in the ministry. Uh, What advice would you give uh, a young preacher
1: starting out? Well, you've got to be prepared um you know god's blessings always go to the prepared people in any area and when you come into the the thing about being a pastor uh, you have got to be prepared as much as you can be prepared. And and I know there's always that um, uh, side that says, well, you know, just if God's called you, you're as prepared as you're going to be. But there's a lot of foolishness in that when you think, you know, God's given you people that you can glean from their wisdom, their experience, and you don't have to follow and make mistakes. I mean, many times younger preachers make mistakes because they haven't been prepared in the area of their uh, ministry. And uh, so uh, my daughter is getting ready to marry a young man who's graduating from Bible college. He's been preparing and, uh, and he believes God wants him to be a pastor, but he's going to be an assistant first for perhaps even five years so he can kind of sit at the feet of a pastor and, and get his, his experience that way. Very wise for someone who's you know 23 years of age to, to, to desire that. But uh, so, you know, college is big. Um, and you know, you and I went to the college of our, of our generation. I think it was one, one of the best ones of our generation and it didn't prepare me hundred percent for everything. I still had to learn, uh, but it gave me a good foundation to start with. And I believe part of the reason I went 30 years and, uh, and as many times I could have quit, uh, was because the foundation was so strong from the beginning, from the preparation. Boy, I say that all the
2: time. Uh, Boy, I thank God for my pastor. Thank God for the teachers and training that we had. Um, Somebody asked me early on, and we started our church, and it was going great. And and people were saying, boy, how often do you get to uh, to counsel with Brother Hiles? And I said, "Um, pretty much every day. pretty much every yeah, day, yeah. like, what, what? You, you, wow, he cares about you that much, you get to talk to him every day? No, I didn't say I talk to him every day, I counsel with him every day, meaning there's a situation that comes up and I'll go to God, God, ask God for wisdom and help, and to bring into remembrance the things that I was taught, and and it's amazing whether it's just a sermon, or a book, or a thought, like, okay, there's the biblical principle, I got it, I know what to do, and so literally, to be able to counsel every day, um, and boy, I thank God for that, and so many times people have said, where did you learn that, how did you know that? that I had a great pastor that taught that, and it was there. I think some people slept through it and didn't catch it, but uh, but it was there just by to, just to watch that. So, um, Doctor smell what do you think? Well, let me give you, be, let let be you something, else something else about, about sure that, about that. The the, world of
1: the pastor that people miss. Um, you know, there's there's this biblical setup of how God wants us to get the counsel, and 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 you know, we we go to our pastor because it's a biblical uh, principle. And, uh, and I know there's been times where people have, have told me ahead of time, I, I need to make an appointment with you. I need to talk about this subject. And I'm thinking, I don't have a clue what to tell them. I, I really don't want to even meet with them because I'm afraid. I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm doing, or I don't know what to tell them. But I'll make the appointment because I love them. They're members of my church and I want to help. And they'll sit there in front of me in my office and begin to tell me the situation. And while they're doing that, the Holy Spirit begins to give me the answer and And it's like, okay, you can shut up now. I've got the answer for you, you know. But I think it all comes back to God is honoring them in seeking the counsel to be prepared and to get the right thing. And he's he's using the pastor. So he gives the pastor the answer. Absolutely. That's happened a thousand
2: times. I talk about it all the time people come in and uh, they're asking me a question. And in the middle of it, I'm going, I don't have a clue what to tell these people. So they're talking to me and I'm praying, dear God, please give me wisdom. God, yeah, please yeah. give me wisdom. Please help me to know how to help these dear people. It's the importunity begging. I've got people here that need bread and I have no bread. You've got to help me. And during that question, the wisdom comes, okay, let me help you with this. And and if it's somebody I know and close to so many times, I say, hold on, I got to write that down. That was really good. And that'll end up being a sermon later on. If it's somebody new, I'll wait to so they leave and, and uh, write it down. But it's amazing the wisdom of God that God can give. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which give it to all men liberally and breadeth not. And especially in that position of pastor where you're trying to give bread, uh, food to people that are coming to you. It's amazing how God gives that. The best sermons, the best teaching, the best any that I've ever had has come just like that from God. So um, I yeah. agree. Um, so what do you think the pastors struggle the most with today? Um, what do you think, uh, for pastors out there, what do you think their biggest struggle is
1: and, and what can they do to help with that? Well, there's a lot of, uh, surveys out that I've, uh, seen and most of them have a very negative, uh, connotation of what pastors are in the sense of um, they want to quit, or I've read surveys where you know 78% of the pastors in the ministry won't gra- you know won't retire as a pastor. Um, you know they're they're miserable. They're this or that, the other. Um, so. Um, you know there's there's a lot involved in in pastoring and there's a lot of things you face and uh and so the the avenue of quitting is obviously what everybody thinks and and we sometimes listen to the devil uh listen to our flesh or you know we get discouraged it's easy to be discouraged in the ministry sometimes we kind of put ourselves on the wrong pedestal and we don't really let the lord build the church we're we're you know dictating in our minds whether it's successful or not by what we think it's successful instead of what God dictates is successful. And um, and I, I find that it's, it, you know, Dr. Evans used to say that Christianity is measured not in days or months or years, but in decades. And I think the pastor is too. And uh, I I tell you, you you meet a guy that maybe never ran more than 100 and never had a big day over 200, but he's got, you know, 12 preacher boys out in the ministry and they're all serving God. And you can call him a failure. Um, I think he's pretty successful. Um, And and there's so many different things that are involved in whether something exists uh, to succeed the way you think so. So I I think that there's a a great... uh, desire sometimes to get discouraged by what we see or don't see and listen this pandemic is extremely discouraging to every man i've got every pastor is discouraged by it because they're wanting to help their people and they can't get them all there or they're sick or they're watching them die um so there's a lot of things that you know make you want to quit but you have to go back to the foundation what how'd you get into this i mean if your daddy told you to do it then you should quit you know if you did it because you're looking for a profession that uh, you know did this or did that well then you probably should quit but if there's a call of god you can't quit you have to listen and follow the call of god and he'll take you he'll see you through he'll see you through yeah. absolutely There
2: is no discharge from this war. Boy, once I signed my uh, name and enlisted in the United States Army, uh, you know, I don't really like this. I think I want to go home. (laughs) Sorry, you signed up. And that's the same thing. When God called you and you accepted that call, it is. And I do think people look at the wrong things. You know, they look at uh, the size or they look at numbers. And and we started our church. I mean, it took off. It was exciting. We started with four people in a living room and and men having 300 people on a two-year anniversary and going up from there, averaging 400. Christian school, radio station, ministry, growing, building a new auditorium—it was exciting, amazing. But that wasn't—that wasn't what gave me success with that. What—what what gave me that is, am I doing what God called me to do, and knowing that God is going to reward me according to my labor. Um, that's what it was. And then we went through a uh, fun quote time in ministry and. We'll share that on another podcast and boy, it was brutal the things we went through and those quote numbers and things were not the same and and it hurt and it was hard, but as long as I kept my eyes on, why did I do this? I surrendered to serve Jesus. Am I still winning souls? Am I still serving Jesus? Absolutely. Okay. Guess what? I don't care. I don't care what that preacher thinks or this person says. I don't care. And there are people that did and said things. Guess what? I don't care. As long as I know I'm serving God, I'm winning souls, I'm being obedient to, to the season of life that he has me go through, and there are mountaintops and valleys, look at anyone in the Bible that had that, um, but as long as I know that I am doing what God's called me to do in this season of life, then I don't have to worry about it. But so many times I think we worry about what somebody else thinks, and they don't know, and they don't understand. Um, and that peer pressure from the brethren, do you, do you feel that? Have you seen that? How have you dealt with that?
1: Oh yeah, and you know Paul said that you know if we uh, measure ourselves by ourselves, we're not wise, and yet we do that. And I find that there's 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 so many other aspects to a a, a church. You know, a church can be sitting in a town of a thousand people, and you're frustrated because you're not over a hundred. And then there's a church, and, and but that's a great number if you could get that out of a thousand. Um, but then there's a church sitting in an area with 500,000 people and, you know, and, and so they, they can run 500, they can run. And so you you can't measure by yourselves. You're, you're not wise by doing that. Everything's different. And I, I've often wondered, you know, what would these great men of God from years ago do in the same churches if they were in this generation? That's another aspect, the generation you live in. You know, you read about the stories of uh, Dio Moody and uh, of course, I, I pastored for a long time, uh, five miles from where Charles Finney pastored uh, in the uh, 1800s. and But in those days, horse-drawn wagons, they didn't have to deal with ball games and Internet and TV and, you know, uh, Cedar Point and all the different things. No, they didn't have none of that. So their entertainment was church, and they'd fill the, the auditorium up and, you know, put 800 people there, and it seemed like a country church and and they had no no need for promotion no need to visit i mean they just did it because there was nothing else now that's not today so you can't just hang a shingle out there call it church and say okay i'm going to expect a thousand sunday it's not going to happen, and uh, and so I think there's there's uh, and we we tend to all fall in the same trap by comparing ourselves among ourselves. But we got to remember, it's not wise to do that. Everybody's situation is a little different. Everybody's church is a little different. Their area is are a little different, and you need to please God. And if you're pleasing God, like you, you already said, you know, am I doing the foundation of what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I am I obedient to the Lord? Am I putting Him first? Am I teaching these people, pastoring them? That's what I worry about and concern myself with. With right,
2: it's amazing <laughs> when we started our church. I talked to and uh, went to a conference and talked to. It's the big name preachers about supporting us which we were, I was told to do and they said well um, you know prove you're going to do it go down there when you move down there then contact us and uh, you know we've helped guys that were, said they're going to start a church and never did so uh, once you get down there contact me okay fine and, uh, <clears throat> and so we did and so we got down there so I was calling some pastors and this one pastor said well How many people have you led to Christ so far? We've been there a week and a half. My wife almost had the baby in the car on the way down. She was eight and a half months pregnant. The next day, went to the hospital to have the baby. They put it off for a week. They didn't think she was far enough along. and gave her medication to stop it. So we just had the baby. And trying to find a place to meet so we could get the literature and print it. And and so, anyway, that's what I was doing, getting my family settled. And he just ripped me over the phone that I hadn't led anybody to Christ yet. And so, well, while you're waiting for God to give you a building, why don't you try leading someone to Christ? okay. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> I got the phone and I was I was devastated, man. I was It, it blew half my day um, because I respected this guy and looked up to this guy. And then I found one of the books he wrote and read the back of it. Like, okay, he doesn't know. He's never started a church. He's not been here. He doesn't know. God, am I doing what you want me to do? I'm taking care of my family, my brand new baby, our other boy that's two years old. We're finding a place. God, am I doing what you've asked me to do? Okay. And so then I just literally, it's water off the duck's back. And I think so many times we have to get to that point where we do care what God thinks, but when people who don't know and don't understand and haven't been there, okay, I'm not going to worry about that. Um, but anyway, yeah, it is it is a mess. So I want to ask you, we got a few more questions. We're good on time. but um, So it seems like churches and pastors, many of them are sliding in their doctrine or modern look, feel, pastors changing. Do you see that? Um, and what are the dangers?
1: Well, yeah, that's very evident, um, and it's sad to see it. Um, and I think a lot of guys are not doing it with the idea that I'm changing. They, they have bought into this thing. Well, it's a different generation, a different culture, so therefore you have to do some things differently. Um, yeah, I'm glad that we left the days of potbelly stoves to heat the church, and we have you know central air, but uh, I don't think that affects the doctrine of the church. But a lot of guys have given up the old ways like soul winning and preaching and, uh, and general pastoring the church to come up with some kind of scheme that's going to you know make them uh, grow real, real quick. And they've watched too many of these uh, generic no-names uh, become mega churches because the pastor's out there in jeans and he's got a rock band out there and he's got a strobe light. And he's basically put on a Hollywood production. So therefore, yeah, well... <laughs> so, so that's what they think it is, and well, and, and they've got too much fundamentalism in them as far as this, you know their their uh, adherence to the doctrine to go that far. But they start edging that way, and it just is, it, it's a disaster. Um, you know, you're better off to not not worry about whether I've got the crowd, but worry whether I'm doing what God called me to do. And the people are getting what they're supposed to get. And where we got the idea that we're supposed to um, you know, have these gigantic crowds, we're supposed to please God. Um, that's the call of God in our life. And the size of the crowd is not contingent on whether we're pleasing God or not. And if that's the case, Barnum and Bailey had us beat years ago. Um, but you can't go by that. and so many guys are drifting because it well, it doesn't work anymore. and how many times have you heard that? It doesn't work over here and you can't knock on doors. I when I first became a pastor in 1986, several of the pastors in that town in 86, uh, would would come by and meet me, and they would say, you know, I I know where you came from, but let me just tell you, those buses don't work anymore. That was an '86, and uh, yeah, and you know, I know where you came from, and you you, know, you came from Jack Hiles, and you can't beat the pulpit, and people won't take that, and and you can't expect that people to show up at the invitation. Well, I ignored every one of them because I didn't believe none of them, and uh, and we grew from the smallest independent Baptist church of twelve in the county to the largest one. And it wasn't because I'm better than they are and I'm smarter. It's just that I wasn't going to listen to what they said. I'm going to do what I know is the right thing to do, what has been proven, what is biblical. And God will put together whatever He wants out of that. And that's what you, you live with. I want to please God. I want to die and know that I've pleased Him. I want to hear the well done. And it's not the size of the crowd. Um, you know, one great uh, missionary said, Duties are ours, events are God's. And we try to change the event. And, and not worry about the duty. Well, you do what God led you to do and let him take care of the results and details.
2: Right. It's amazing. We heard this in college. I remember Brother House saying, Guys, watch out. Change is a position. When you no. start changing, yeah. when you start changing, that will become your position and you will continue to change. And where it stops, nobody knows. I remember hearing him say that. Um, but then to watch it, and to see, to see guys I went to college with, to see friends of mine, to see guys we help support them and help them start their church, you know, go from this so-and-so Baptist church and to the drive church to no church to no ministry. And, and, and you look and go, how did that happen? And here it is. Change. Is a position, and so when people come to our church and they go, "Wow, this feels like okay, good," you know, um, I want it to be that way. And it's amazing, how people say, "Oh, you know, that's um, that's just tradition." Tradition is not bad unless it goes against um, the um, the Bible, or if we elevate tradition above what um, what the Bible says. Paul literally said. Um, Here's the verse, Second Thessalonians. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition. Which he received of us. Oh, I thought tradition was bad. Paul said, look, if people are following and they're going away from the tradition that you received in us, then, then don't have anything to do with them. And so, and, and so I'm afraid sometimes, okay, if I change this, what's going to happen? And where am I going to end up at? I would much rather say, this is straight. This is right. This is Bible. This is good and keep on doing it. And wow, it's amazing
1: how God blesses that. Um, so- well, you know, I, I had, uh, I was, uh, the last um, seven, eight years of Dr. Hugh Pyle's life, I had the privilege to get to know him very well and become a close friend, and he made a statement about change, and he said, change in churches always starts in music. And I think if you track most churches, that's where it is. It starts in the music program and they start drifting in the music and they get away from the old uh, tested, t- tried, and proven hymns and get into these little ditties. And the next thing you know, they've got uh, six people up there leading the singing instead of one person. And the next thing, well, let's put this instrument in, let's put that instrument in. And then it's just a step away and you've changed the whole thing. And they're, they're, maybe their desire is right, but they're their uh, methods are wrong and now you're giving the people a fleshly uh, appetite and you're fulfilling the same thing that the the radio the bars and everybody else is given and you're doing it in the church and you're thinking it's going to work out no they might come but that's not what they're going to get they're not it, there's no sense if we if it's sheep and goats why should as, as Spurgeon said you know why should the church be entertaining goats uh, instead of feeding sheep and that's what we're doing Wow,
2: well, you just opened up the whole can of worms on that. So, um, uh, well, we better quit soon. Just kidding. Uh, we're going to have some good um, future podcasts on all that, on the music and the changes and the methods and what's going on. And uh, um, and it's not good. And people that end up going that way and seeing what happens is not a good thing. But if it's oh, if it can get a crowd, or oh, if these people like this, and and we've seen, you know, the 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 Willow Creek from well, they've been around 30 plus years and he went around and okay, what do you like in a church? What do you don't want in a church? And he built a church with that. And, uh, Oh, it had a great numbers, but they even came back later and said, it didn't work. We need to get back to preaching and teaching in the Bible. All right. So Dr. Smale, the last uh, question or questions that I have for you, unless we have something else. So, um, what would you say some of the best things you learned, um, by being a pastor or you were taught, uh, and then, that best advice you would give to a younger pastor, middle-aged pastor, since you are now the older preacher.
1: <laughs> yeah, which I don't feel it uh, only on certain days of the week. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I think that um, who you make your um, sounding board, your mentors, your uh, fellowship group, that has a lot to do with where you're going to end up. Uh, I think some sometimes young guys get enamored with the wrong things. They make uh, friendships with people. Uh, for example, I learned this, you know, back in college days. I remember hearing Dr. Hiles talk about this, that, you know, the, especially in the early days of his ministry, he always had older preachers in as guest preachers. Never had peers in. And, of course, we, we've learned that from the scriptures. You know, you don't, don't follow your peers. They don't know any more than you know. And yet, I, I watch these younger guys that they they uphold these these young preachers who maybe can preach well, but haven't done much in in ministry. Haven't even been in it very long, and it's a disaster. And so you got to look for those who have not changed, who are still doing the same thing, who've got some age on them, and and follow them. You know, as as you've already mentioned, it, Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." You know, if that's the 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 uh, factor, then if he's not following Christ, I don't have to follow him, and I don't have to worry about this. I've never worried about this thing about well, what happens when a pastor disappoints you? What happens if a pastor goes into sin? What happens if i pa- I've never had to worry about that because th- it doesn't change the scriptures, and it doesn't change anything he's ever preached or taught that was true. Um, but again, we go back to this thing: he is a human; he does have that. And listen, the devil's after the pastor above everybody else. Uh, if anything be true you're and you're a layman listening, you should be surrounding your pastor in prayer every day because there's no doubt the devil's after him. If you can if he can get the top, he can trickle the rest of it out and uh, more churches are destroyed through that than anything else and yet well, we'll spend our life you know hating that man of God. and yet I wonder if we would have changed our mind and prayed for him and loved him and surrounded him. Maybe we could have helped that. Um, but we don't ever think we're responsible. It's always him. But it doesn't change the doctrine. God's word is still the same, and you can't get off this thing and say, "Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to be a, a former uh, because of the fact that you know this. This pastor did this. He, truth is truth, and if he preached it, that's what it is. And it doesn't matter. And I've said this before. It doesn't matter if it comes with sugar cubes or if it comes at the end of a Adirondack baseball bat. Uh, truth is truth, and uh, you need to receive it. So I've never had a problem with that but i but i've always tried to get around older men i've always had older men with me now being an older man myself it's easier to you know find guys but i say this all the time when i preach with these older guys and i was with a guy who's 70 um, who you know we've grown up in the ministry he's a few years older than me but i i love it i love to to grow up with these men and look back in 30 40 years and say you know we've never gotten off track we've stayed on track and, you know, we don't have the health we once had, but we do have the doctrine we once had. And that's what's key and paramount to everything.
2: No, I agree. And boy, that's so good. There's so much in there. Um, and we were taught that, the older preachers. And... um And I've been so busy with our church and ministries and our family and eleven children. I don't have to have another pastor, a young guy, we call every Monday and hey, how'd it go and what'd you do and you know and and things there, but you have those older preachers you look up to and I remember Brother Howells teaching the end of the matter. He said, Go to the end of the life. You're a seventy, you're eighty year old preacher, what do you want to be? Where do you wanna be? And um, and so then you find people that are that and then you follow them. As they follow Christ and that end of the matter. And so, uh, it's amazing how many people don't have a direction and they're being tossed about by wind of doctrine and they're following the next fad out there. Um, there's a guy who went to college. I, I was in the army with him before Bragg and uh, the same church and then college with him and started a church about the same time. In fact, a year before we did. And I would ask him advice about things they were doing. And then I saw he was just going, whoa, whoa, we weren't taught that. And, um, and so now I watch at a distance and you look and you shake your head and go what happened and and boy i don't i don't want that to happen to me i don't want my kids i think the you know our kids are serving god too and i think the stability of just this is right this is what we're going to do we're not changing uh i think that's been a blessing to our children um where they now believe the same thing and they're going that way just like yours and uh i think that's a big deal so yeah, really good advice on that. And uh, pastor, hey, keep up. There's, there's, there's a great. Um, I remember, I remember the young preacher finding out that what. There's a there's a shepherd's crown. There's a crown just for being a pastor. Wow. Yeah. Now, right? the longer I'm in this, I realize why there's a crown for being a pastor yeah. because as a young preacher, you can't fathom everything you're going to have to go through in this life. Um, but um, pastor keep on going. Keep loving God, keep serving God, keep winning people to Christ. Uh keep doing it when you don't feel like it. When we went through our horrible time in ministry, I kept going to the nursing home I went to every week and leading those dear people of Christ. I kept going to the jail every week and winning those people of Christ. And by doing that, it was able to uh, uh, keep me going, keep me with the right heart to make those things. So Dr. Smell, thank you so much for uh, coming on here. We appreciate it. We've enjoyed it. Um, Thank God for your leadership in the college and all that God's uh, doing with you and your family. And uh, thank you for the great advice you've given here on this podcast. So God bless everybody. We'll see you at the next uh, episode of the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. God bless you and
0: take care. Thank you for listening to the Fundamental Baptist Podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at Podcast at gmail.com.